0: Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Oshoms in Abuja, Nigeria, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show we find out about football in Tanzania – The country hasn't had much success, but there's a lot of money in their league these days, and there could be good times ahead. All these things,
1: you know, what we are doing now is just to lay out the fundamentals of football. Our hope, our hope is that God willing, 2026, Tanzania will qualify for the World Cup.
0: We hear from the president of the Tanzania Football Federation and from one of the top clubs, Young Africans of Dar es Salaam. Also, Stuart gives us the second and final part of a look at a book co-written by former Manchester United manager Sir Alex Ferguson on management and leadership. He says that there are a considerable number of great
2: players around today, but in his opinion, there are only two world-class
0: players, Messi and Ronaldo. That's coming up later, plus news of our brand new Planet Sport Football Africa app. Well, it's another busy weekend in African football. In women's football, the second legs of the final qualifying round ties for this year's Women's Africa Cup of Nations are on. And the CAF Champions League is now at the second round stage, as the teams play off for a place in the group stage. Among the first leg matches, the champions T.P. Mazembe of the DR Congo play away to Widad Casablanca of Morocco, Enyemba of Nigeria take on Tunisia's Etoile du Sahel. They're the reigning Confederation Cup champions. AS Vita Club of the DRC take on Sundowns of South Africa. El Marek of Sudan play the 2014 champions Entente Setif of Algeria among some of the standout fixtures. We're asking for your predictions this week on who you think will be the Champions League winners. I'll give you the WhatsApp number later on as the tournament is really hotting up. Now, Tanzania haven't achieved much in African football, with just one appearance at the Africa Cup of Nations finals and teams playing just twice in the group stage of the Champions League. But there's plenty of money in the league in Tanzania. My colleague here in Zimbabwe, Howard Musonza, went to Dar es Salaam in Tanzania recently and he found out that the football setup there is looking impressive and that some clubs have big funding and that the league is well-sponsored. Howard spoke to the Tanzania Football Federation president, Jamal Malinzi. And before talking about the development of the game in Tanzania, he first asked how he feels about the new FIFA president, Gianni Infantino, and the measures taken at the FIFA Congress where Infantino was elected in February, measures taken to clean up the game.
1: Yeah, it's a big step forward, as you understand. uh, Our Congress was uh, uh, preceded by uh, reforms. We discussed the reforms and they were passed, and uh, we now have uh, team lim- term limits, we have uh, new procedures, we are no longer having a, an executive committee, we have got now a council, which will be uh, the top body, the top organ of FIFA. We hope that these uh, reforms are going to trickle down to the confederations as well as the member associations, He'll come down later even to our clubs and uh, other associations and the federation and our associations. With igiani we have no problem. We have got full confidence in our new president, Mr. Infantino. is well experienced, he's a good lawyer and uh, he has been with UEFA for a couple of years. And as you understand, the UEFA has been very, very success, successful, especially financial-wise, especially in organizing huge, huge tournaments. You can see improvements, the way uh, UEFA tournament is organized, the, UEFA, the way the uh, Champions League of, of Europe is organized. So we hope that this experience is going to trickle down now at FIFA level. And we as Africans, we as Tanzanians, we are going to give Mr. Infantino full, full cooperation.
3: Look, from an African perspective, uh, I think the issue that every other nation is really concerned about is that grant that comes from FIFA. Because uh, I think from an African perspective, we're still lagging behind in terms of development. And previously, when said Blatter was there, there was that grant of 250000 But Infantino in his manifesto saying, no, we're going to increase that to probably over a million dollars. Is this the right way to go? Uh,
1: Mr. Infantino was very clear when he was uh, addressing the Congress. He yeah, was, was very categorical by saying that uh, FIFA money is members' money. So we have confidence in Mr. Infantino that uh, now he's our president. We'll be able to sit down with his finance people, with his economics people, with his marketing people and see the best way to develop football. Because it's, it's not just a matter of taking money, throwing it at somebody. No. There must be a clear plan that is about development, it's about women football, it's about youth football, it's about the infrastructure. So we hope, we hope that he'll be able now to come, to come up with a very clear plan about this $1 million. This is exactly how the money is going to be used and accountability. And I believe that with this kind of assistance from FIFA, football, especially in Africa, will go forward as well as in the Caribbean.
3: Let's uh, turn to Tanzania. Uh, in, in general, look, uh, you guys have made significant strides in terms of development of the game here. Uh, if you want to gauge yourselves in other African nations, where can you place yourselves?
1: Numbers don't lie. We are 125 in the FIFA ranking, so I cannot come up here and tell you that, uh, you know, Tanzania, we have advanced very much. You no, know, what we are doing at the moment, we are establishing the basics for football development. We are working on under-13s now. We are working on under-15s now. We are working on under 17 now. We are preparing a team now for the under-17 qualifiers for Madagascar next year. Tanzania will be the host of uh, 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 Afghan under-17 in 2019. We are going to prepare a team because we like to qualify for the Olympics Tokyo 2020. All these things, you know, what we are doing now is just to lay out the fundamentals of football development. Our hope, our hope, that gold 2026, Tanzania will qualify for the World Cup.
0: That's Tanzania Football Federation President Jamal Malinzi speaking to Howard Musanza. So some big plans for the future. As we heard, Tanzania's world ranking is currently 125, and they've only been to the Africa Cup of Nations once, back in 1980. Uh, so Solomon, do Tanzania have the potential to do better in African football? I feel uh,
3: Tanzania has a great chance to really make another entry into the AFCON competition or one of the age group competitions because they have been gradually uh, building. I feel also Tanzania is a country that is really uh, rich in leadership. We've seen how the political leadership has changed, and a lot of stability has been brought into the nation politically, economically, and socially. And we're looking at Tanzania, you know, coming through and really competing in the under 17 around Africa, uh, you know, under-20s around Africa. That's where we're going to see the way out for Tanzania. Because once you can get the basic right over a couple of years, maybe five, six years, then you're going to begin to see the reward. You're going to begin to see the fruits of, of that, you know, getting the basic right.
0: Thanks, Solomon. So my colleague here in Zimbabwe, Howard Musonza, was in Tanzania recently. And as well as speaking to the Tanzania Football Federation president, he found out about club football. And he found that things are developing a lot at that level with a well-funded league that many African countries would love to have. Jerry Muro is head of communications at Young Africans. This is a big club in Dar es Salaam that has a few foreign players, as well as two Zimbabweans playing there. Muro told us about some of the other foreign players. We have got strikers from Burundi, Hamisi Tambwe.
4: We have got also a midfielder from Rwanda, uh, Haruna Nyonzima. We have got also one Congolese, uh, Twite. So the combination has been of its kind, you know, because we have got so our our, our head coach is from Holland, Hans van Plying, And we think right now we are, we are we are in a very good position of defending our champions in our Premier League. And also we are now looking forward to to get into the final of the Champions League. Because we have got superb squad and they are doing tremendous. Right now we as young Africans we are doing business. It's just like what it's doing in Manchester. As you know oh the biggest club in Europe, the same applies with us. That's why we are competing with our with our friends Azam, who are holding such a such a, such an investment, so as we. Because this is just like somebody who is sowing a seed
0: and you have to sow a best seed to get a very good fruit. And this is what we are doing. That's Jerry Muro, the head of communications at Tanzanian club Young Africans. So their strategy is to run the club as a business. As I say, lots of money in Tanzanian football. Their rivals, Azam, are also well-funded. They're a new club, only nine years old. And there's another giant in Dar es Salaam. That's Simba FC, who reached the Champions League group stage in 2003. Young Africans played in the group stage, by the way, in 1998. Well, Jerry Muro spoke of reaching the Champions League final, but young Africans play Al-Athli of Egypt, the record eight-time winners, in the second round this weekend. Uh, So can they match the giant team, Solomon? Uh, Currently, no. Uh,
3: It would take a couple of years of good preparation from club sites like young Africans, uh, you know, to be able to get ready for that. So it's a great vision that, you know, a team like Young Africans, uh, you know, have a vision to to go out there and compete against the Zamaleks, you know, the the Tipi Mazambes, the the uh, Al-Hali, but but it would take a lot, it would take a lot of experiences.
0: Yes, it's not going to be easy for young Africans as they play Al-Athli, but don't be surprised if Tanzania do start making an impression in African football in the coming years. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And exciting news about our new app. If you miss the show, you can listen any on our app. To download it, go to the Play Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. It's about 4 megabytes, so it won't use too much of your airtime to download, and then you can listen to the show there. In fact, there are 130 episodes of the show there on the app, available on demand. So to download, go to the Play Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa to listen to the show anytime. You can also listen to the show on our our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and you can follow us on Twitter, the address at fa. You can keep in touch with news about the show and African Football News uh, with us on Twitter at fa. Well, still to come, Stuart gives us the second and final part of a look at a book co-written by former Manchester United manager Sir Alex Ferguson on management and leadership. Of Ryan Giggs. He said it was bolts of electricity that would leave opponents flailing. But before that, let's talk about the English Premier League with Stuart. And Leicester are now seven points clear with just six games to play. Uh, So Stuart, the unbelievable, is now looking increasingly likely. It certainly
2: is, and they're now in a situation that four wins will make them champions no matter what anyone else does. And, you know, we've said for most of the season that Leicester are a team without any star players. But, of course, during the year, we've seen Jimmy Vardy and Danny Drinkwater get capped for England. And Canty, who's been one of their outstanding players, who's of a family from Mali, got his first cap for France last week and also scored.
0: So, you know, more and more recognition for the Leicester club and the players. And Leicester play away to Sunderland on Sunday. Well, Chelsea have just announced their new manager for next season. That's Antonio Conte, the current coach of the Italy national team, a former Italy national team player himself, and a great record as coach of Juventus. The right man for the job, Stuart? Well... I always have certain reservations about these overseas managers,
2: no matter how successful they've been. And of course, uh, Conte has won Serie A with Juventus several times, but no experience of the Premier League, which is a bit different. And one thing which did amuse me, Steve, is that his contract apparently gives him an $8 million bonus if he wins the Champions League. Slight problem in the coming season as it doesn't look as if Chelsea will be in the Champions League because unless there are some freak results, they simply are not going to be in the the top four. And I mean, just as Alex Ferguson recently said that he thought that Guardiola may take a bit of time to find his feet at Manchester City, you know, I don't actually see Antonio Conte changing
0: Chelsea overnight to where they were over the last few years. So Chelsea won't be playing in the Champions League next season. But the battle at the top of the table for those four Champions League slots is hotting up and it's fascinating. Uh,
2: Yes, indeed. I mean, I think we can say whatever happens in terms of champions, Leicester, Tottenham and Arsenal are going to be in the Champions League. And then the third place seems to be between the two Manchester clubs, City and United, and West Ham. Now, Man City won 4-0 at Bournemouth. Yaya Torre didn't play. And interestingly, afterwards, his agent has now come out and said that Manchester City have not offered him a new contract, so he will leave in the summer. That's not all that surprising because he and Guardiola did not get on very well, we're told, at Barcelona. So the change of manager may not be good for him. Manchester United are not looking very impressive, but they keep on winning. And they are now just one point behind Manchester City. Now, West Ham have had a really good season. They, of course, have quite a strong African contingent. But the news seems to be that Victor Moses, Emmanuel Emaniki and Alex Song, who are currently on loan, that none of them is going to be offered a permanent contract. So those three African players unlikely to be at West Ham next season, we are told. Arsenal beat Watford 4-0, which is quite an interesting turnaround because, of course, Watford knocked Arsenal out of the FA Cup quarter final. Now, the Nigerian Alex Uobi got his second Premier League start and for the second time he scored. So that's two starts, two goals, and he is the first player for Arsenal since David Sukar, the Croatian who scored two goals in his first two games for Arsenal in 1999. Bet you didn't know that, Steve. Now, Aston Villa lost 4-0 to Chelsea. Now, for 50 years, Villa did not lose seven games in a row, and they've done it three times in the last 18 months. Very sad times at Aston Villa. The crucial game at the weekend was Norwich beating Newcastle. That now leaves Norwich with a four point gap over Sunderland and six over Newcastle. So Norwich look to be the team with the chance to survive, and it looks as if Sunderland and Newcastle have it all to do to get out of the bottom three.
0: And uh, just finally, Stuart, not good news for Sunderland's Ivorian player, Emmanuel Ebue, who's left the club as he was suspended by FIFA from all football-related activity for one year. Well, it's a very
2: strange situation because Ibue was at Galatasaray, left them, was without a club, and then Sam Allardyce, the Sunderland manager, took him to train and then offered him a contract. But Ebue was in dispute with his former agent and owes money, allegedly, to the agent. FIFA have now stepped in and have banned him from all football until he settles the debt with the agent. So Sunderland, having signed him, have now cancelled his contract because they say, what's the point in having a player who is suspended by FIFA and can't play? A very strange situation.
0: Well, a sad story, that one. Emmanuel Ebue, a distinguished African player, especially in his days at Arsenal. Well, next on Planet Sport Football Africa, your comments on Facebook and WhatsApp. We asked for your thoughts on the recent qualifiers for the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations finals. Morocco were the first team to qualify. Cameroon and Ghana look well-placed to reach the finals with two more rounds of games to go. But Nigeria are out and Malawi, South Africa and the Gambia are out of contention. So we asked, what do you think about the results? Well, Ugis Sis in the Gambia says the qualifiers were fantastic. Our Gambian team was a disappointment, but a surprise to me was Guinea-Bissau, who were almost qualifying by topping their group, and a bravo to Herve Renard for qualifying Morocco, and commiserations to Nigeria's Super Eagles for not qualifying for the second time in a row. On Facebook, Oladayo Olabode says, What a shame Nigeria are out, the so-called best in Africa. Olatunde Adeleka is a Nigerian living in the Gambia. He says, My country's players were unlucky, especially some of the English Premier League players. The point is, the Nigeria Football Federation are just not serious. I feel sorry for Coach Samson Siasia and his boys. How can they use three coaches to qualify for one tournament? Cherno Jallo says, I was glad to see my favourite team, the Pharaohs of Egypt, back at the biggest African showpiece. Kudos to the Pharaohs. Egypt, of course, qualifying for the finals at the expense of Nigeria. Suleiman Sonko in the Gambia brings us back to a regular discussion point in African football. That's the quality of referees. Now, Suleiman says, our elimination is due to poor refereeing. We had a clear goal disallowed in Mauritania. Then the referee said four minutes of added time, but he played eight minutes, which led to Mauritania's winning goal. And in the return leg, he disallowed us another clear goal. Shame on the CAF referees. They should learn from Papa Gassama. That's the Gambian who's the African referee of the year. Uh, those are the views of Suleiman Sonko. Uh, Manasseh Kinte, also in the Gambia, sees grounds for optimism in the future. He says my country, the Gambia, produced bad results in their group games, which is disappointing, uh, but there is uh, still a lot of room for good results and improvement. Ibrahim Shai Guy in the Gambia picks up on this point. He says although we're out, our main focus is on rebuilding and rebranding our national team. We'll always cheer our boys no matter how rough the road to rebuilding will be. Emmanuel Waike says Liberia and Ghana are my two hopeful countries. I hope they'll meet in the final. And I hope most of all that Liberia can win this one because we've never won the competition before. Liberia sitting on top of their group. Davy Milmore is in Malawi. He's very disappointed by his country's performance. The 0-0 draw away to Guinea, followed by a 2-1 home defeat, left the Flames' bottom of Group L with just two points from four matches. Shame on us Malawians, says Davy. Bizwek says Malawi's not a footballing nation. I wish they would improve. And Alfred Mdimba, also in Malawi, says Malawi's football history indicates that we have a long way to go. Paulus David is also disappointed by his team's performance. Namibia are out, he says, but I think Senegal will reach the finals in Gabon. Donald from Cameroon says, I'm not happy with the way my country played against South Africa. I think much needs to be done concerning the home-based players because the stars from Europe have failed to prove themselves getting home and away draws with South Africa were Cameroon. Uh, Gemmo is a Cameroonian living in South Korea. He says, I was surprised by some of the results, especially at one of Africa's footballing giants Nigeria not qualifying for the second straight time. This goes to show the competitiveness in the Qualifiers, And I'm hoping for an entertaining 2017 Africa Cup of Nations. Absolutely. Uh, Jesse Rando from Sierra Leone says, I think the results generally are very good for African football, meaning every country can have a chance if they play better football. I think there are still more big teams to fall by the wayside. And finally, on to the English Premier League and Modu Sine in the Gambia says, Hello guys, a big win for Leicester against Southampton, but they were lucky because Southampton were denied two clear penalties. And Modu Saliou comments on the news that the Italian Antonio Conte will be Chelsea's coach next season. I think he's a great coach, says Modu, but I doubt if he'll last long enough to bring them any success given the competitiveness of the English Premier League. Thanks so much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you. Uh, This week, tell us, uh, who do you think will win the CAF Champions League? The second round first leg matches take place this weekend. 16 teams fighting for the eight places in the group stage. Among them, the eight-time champions Al-Athli of Egypt and the five-time champions and the holders TP Mezembe of the DRC. So who do you think will win the trophy this year? Send us a so what's up to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero? That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or we'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and tell us who you think will win the CAF Champions League this season. Okay, well, I've been looking forward to this, Uh, Stuart has the second and final part of a look at a book co-written by former Manchester United manager Sir Alex Ferguson on management and leadership. Now, at the end of part one last week, Stuart told us that Ferguson says that he had four world-class players over the years at Manchester United, but he left us in suspense, so let's find out more. Now, before I tell you the four names,
2: let me explain what he believes a world-class player to be. He says that there are a considerable number of great players around today, but in his opinion, there are only two world-class players, Messi and Ronaldo. He says that there are lots of players who can do world-class things, but those are the only two who consistently reach that standard. Incidentally, he mentions four current players who impress him in world football almost the second tier below Messi and Ronaldo. And those four are Thomas Müller, Bayern Munich and Germany, Alex Sanchez, Arsenal and Chile, Luis Suarez, Barcelona and Uruguay, and Neymar, Barcelona and Brazil. And now let me reveal that the four World-class Manchester United players are Eric Cantona, Ryan Giggs, Ronaldo, and Paul Scholes. Ferguson says that Cantona was capable of doing things so astonishing that you sensed that he might have come from another world. Of Ryan Giggs, he said, it was bolts of electricity that would leave opponents flailing. And I suppose we can think about that goal when he ran from his own half in the FA Cup semi-final to score against Arsenal. Ferguson said that Ronaldo would be capable of scoring a free kick even if he took it from behind the moon. Now there's an accolade. Paul Scholes, says Ferguson, can carve open a defence with a short pass. And sometimes on the field, he would do little tricks as if you were entertaining at a Christmas party. While I was interested in seeing who his four top are, I was equally surprised at some who didn't make the cut. For example, the great Dane Peter Schmeichel, who made so many important saves to help Ferguson win championships and a Champions League final. David Beckham doesn't make the list. Ferguson reveals an interesting fact about David Beckham. Many of us will recall the goal that he scored from his own half against Wimbledon in the Premier League. And Ferguson says people think that was a fluke. But actually, it was something that Beckham had practiced hundreds of times on the training pitch. So it seemed a miracle to many people when it happened. But it was nothing of the sort." he must have hit that same shot perhaps a hundred times before he did it in the league game. The three other players that Ferguson does mention who might get what you call honourable mentions are Roy Keane, Brian Robson and Steve Bruce. All of them Ferguson's captains at one stage. He says that they were great players, but they earned their distinction more from their attitude, ambition and leadership than from their actual skill and ability as players. An interesting way of putting it, I suppose. And the human side of Ferguson actually comes out when he refers to his decision to omit Brian Robson from the 1994 Cup final in what proved to be Robson's last season with Manchester United. In retrospect, Ferguson says, I should have kept him in the squad and perhaps put him on late in the game. I find this a really surprising admission of regret by Ferguson, perhaps bringing out a human side that one doesn't always expect from somebody who made the difficult decisions for the good of the club at all times. Remember Juan Sebastian Veron, who was a world-class player with Argentina, but never quite made it at Manchester United. And Ferguson says of him, there are some people who just seem to be immune to discipline. Juan Sebastian Verón was like that. Try as I might, I simply couldn't fit him into our system. He was an amazing player with fantastic ability, but he was a wild card. If I played him in centre midfield, he would end up on the right wing. If I played him wide right, then he would go over to the left. He simply didn't have the necessary self-discipline to be a team player. And so we had to sell him after two years because you cannot build a team on blithe free spirits. In a way, that sums up Alex Ferguson, that he's looking for talent, he's looking for exceptional players, but everything had to be for the good of the team. And with all the success he had in 25 years, who can say he didn't get it right?
0: Yes, what insights into the work of Sir Alex Ferguson. Thanks so much for that, Stuart. And that's it for this week's show. But on Facebook and WhatsApp, tell us who you think will win the CAF Champions League. Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Who's going to win this year's CAF Champions League? Don't forget you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, just go to Play Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA and our website is planetsportfootballafrica.com. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare from Solomon Oshoms in Nigeria and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a Passion for Sport production.